Young people, you may be dismissed to your session downstairs. For the adults, if we could take just a, a quick second, reach across the aisle, say hello to somebody this evening. Praise God. If we can make our way back to our preferred seating areas, and you may, you may be seated. I have a, a question that, that I'd like to start out with this evening. And I think it, it is a question that should be asked to each of us in sincerity. And I also believe that the answer that we give should be given in sincerity. And that question would be, if you're looking at someone and you ask them, how are you? Truly, how are you? There should be meaning behind that question but there should also be meaning behind its answer. A lot of times we might ask someone, you know, how are you doing just casually in passing, but also we can, we can get the return. Sometimes we can get a, a casual response. I'm all right. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, you know. And, and sometimes I think that we do that because it's hard for us as individuals to open up about certain things. I think in the, the world that we live in in this day and age, it's a world of instant gratification. It's easy for us to, in this day and age, not have commitment to something. See, we live in a world where commitments are as fear-inducing as they are to rattlesnakes. And if you know anything about me, that's pretty scary for me. I cannot stand snakes at all, any kind, any form, any way, any shape. But yet, as a society today, commitment incites trepidation or reserve in folks. And the concern is always that as a people, as individuals, that we might be limiting our potential by being grounded somewhere and with someone or something. The thought always being that we don't want to commit just in case something better might show up or something better might be coming along. We do this 
as people, not only in our relationships and relationships of all kind, personal relationships, business relationships, but we do it in many facets and aspects of our life that we, we just aren't sure whether we should go all in. But I would ask you tonight, do we do this with the church? Do we do this with each other, with the church body, with all of the members, all of us? Do we do it with each other? And I believe that if we look at the Bible and Hebrews 10 in particular, we find that some of these failures or trepidations are listed in this setting, that it's not an unheard of reality in the church throughout time, whether that be in the time of the apostles or that be present time today. And if we look at Hebrews chapter 10, we find that this particular setting of scripture focuses on a Christian's commitment to each other, our commitment to each other. And in Hebrews 10, we're going to read just a little bit of it, but we find three commandments. We find verse 22 saying, let us draw near. In verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. You see, our Christian brotherhood and sisterhood isn't meant to be stagnant between each other. It's meant to be shared, and it's meant to be shared in a lively fashion. And I would caution us in this day and age that if a, a brother or sister is reaching out, that we ought not to ignore them. And I don't think always that we ignore people on purpose, but I think sometimes, as humans, we are fallible. Sometimes we do that. And when we ignore our brother and sister, for whatever reason, whatever it could be, whatever that issue is or isn't, we can create a friction. And if that friction isn't dealt with, it builds up. And what happens when you put something under pressure? Eventually, it's going to give. And I dare say that I never want to see the church body be put in a position where someone cracks under the pressure of each other. You see, church, I don't believe that as a church body we should ever put ourselves in a position where we cause strife with one another. It ought to be a, a loving relationship. It ought to be a reciprocating relationship. And sometimes when we ignore folks, it causes... Like I said, it causes strife. And then if it gets to the point to where it, it caused strife, you ought to go to that person if you can. You ought to try to smooth it out and make amends. But if you don't know how to do that, I think it's important to go to, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Pastor, just a minute. It's important to go to the pastor. It's important to make time to speak with him and get godly counsel if you find yourself in a situation like that. If you can't fix it within your own means, you ought to find any means you can to make it right. Amen? You see, these first two commands in the setting that we read can be summed up in this way. We are commanded to draw near to God because 
quite frankly, because God commanded us to do it. He said, draw near to me. Well, why do I do that? Why do I do it? Well, because God said so. I don't know any other way to explain it, but because it's plain right there, it says, because I commanded it. Okay, Lord, there's no getting around that one. That's pretty clear. But if we look at the, the latter part of what we just read, we are also committed and commanded to hold fast to the allegiance of Christ above all else. It's a two-way street because it's commanded, but also because there's that pendulum has to swing both ways. It has to be in union. And so we have to be right with each other and deal with each other because if we don't, then the body, then what Christ said to go forth doesn't quite work the way it should. How many of us have stubbed our toe? Everybody, right? How much have bit our cheek or bit our tongue? When we inflict harm on ourselves, it's not very, very pleasing. And I think the biggest thing about when we inflict harm, either intentional or not, on ourselves, what gets me is that I did it to myself. No one did it to me. I, I, get, I get upset at myself because you know, I bit my cheek or I stubbed my toe. No one came up and whacked me. And think, for me, that, that holds a little bit more frustration when something like that happens. See, in the Word of God, he commands us to be Christians, or that to be Christians, it involves being committed to other Christians. We are commanded to look out for one another. And there's, there's many avenues to love your neighbor, right? Love your, your enemy. But I want to focus tonight on not abandoning the body. We should not abandon or forsake any member of this assembly at any time. And one thing looking back, I think I think that that abandoning each other or am I my brother's keeper question has infected the church for too long. And I don't necessarily mean this church. I mean the church in general. And I say that because why would you have so many studies being done in the world today that say individuals are leaving the Christian faith? Regardless of what you believe or what I believe or whether it's right or wrong or your denomination, that's a whole nother story. But as a whole, I think the numbers bear it out in the society that we live in today. People are leaving the church. I don't know all the reasons. I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist. But I pray, my earnest prayer, my earnest thought is that Something that I do never causes someone to leave this body. Something that you do never causes someone to leave this body. Something that we do never causes someone to leave this body. See, I, I think sometimes the lie plays out a little bit like this. Why should I care about so-and-so's Christian walk? Or why should I care about someone's quote-unquote spirituality or walk with God? I have enough trouble focusing on my own issues, let alone somebody else's. Which, quite frankly, for all of us, that's probably true. But the fact of the matter still remains that we are still here and still called to look out for each other. Brother Brad, how was your day today? Was was well, Pastor. How was your day? It was good. 
Okay, let me ask this question to the body. How many of us had a day that maybe wasn't so good? Right? But I don't know that if I don't take the time to sit down and ask. I don't know that if I don't take the time out of love and compassion to find out. Brother Frank, how was your day? A little rough, yeah. Mine was too. I had started off my day waking up in a bad mood today. About an hour after that, I proceeded to be driving down the road and getting a minor fender bender in my work vehicle today. About an hour after that, I slipped and fell on my behind in front of a customer and rolled down their hill like a bouncy ball. Not that it, it's concern of anyone, but the fact is we all have bad days. But on the flip side, we all have good days. And we ought to share both sides of those with each other. We ought to take the time as a body to truly and earnestly reach out with love and compassion and wholeheartedly stay in communion with each other. See, as a body, there's going to be things spiritually that we go through together as a body, as a church. But also, there's going to be things that we go through that are a little bit different from each other during those times and seasons. And I think it's important that our contact with each other stays consistent, but also stays heartfelt and prayerful. Brother George, I might reach out to you one day and ask how you're doing and see what's going on in your life, not so I can gossip about you or find out what's going on, but because I care. Because if I have the ability to pray for you in your situation, then God can move in a way that, not that he wouldn't move or doesn't want to move, but makes his move more impactful and more powerful. Because not only does it strengthen you in your situation, but it strengthens me and mine. And that's how we ought to look at things, church. You see, this call to love each other and to keep each other is not a one-and-done call. It's a commandment that is given that should be followed through and not stopped. It shouldn't be if you are a brand-new member in this body and you walk in the door and you've been here for three weeks that we are interested in your life and want to see how you're doing, and in six months we don't even come up to say hello to you anymore. Or take the time to send you a text or find out how you're doing or making a concerted effort to be a prayerful part of your life. But the same is true if you've been here since the very beginning. We ought not to have the saint that sits in the front row that's been in church for 25 years and we don't come up and ask them for prayer or talk with them and see how we can pray for them. We should do that for all members no matter how long we've been here. You see, it's perpetual that we have a concern for the people of God because the Lord commanded that we do. To have love for one another, this is a non-negotiable fact about what we believe because it says it in the word. You can take it to the bank. I would say that there's no room in this church house and in this body for the Lone Ranger Christian. And, and this is... Stay with me here for a minute, and this might touch some of you a little bit, and if it offends you, I'm sorry. But Christians who do not go to church regularly by choice or who never come to be a church member or who refuse to unite with other believers 
are like a weed that you cannot get out of the ground. And I'm not saying that to poke you in the eye or say you're a bad person because you don't come regularly or you don't, but the point of the matter is when you do, you get grounded just a little bit more. Your roots grow a little stronger. It digs a little deeper into that fertile soil so that way when the thorns and the thistles do come in your life, you have the ability to shake it off. You have the ability to reach out and get a hold with someone to grow stronger. See, as faithful Christians, we need to be committed to showing up not only on Sundays, but whenever our doors are open. And I would say more importantly than being committed to coming when the doors are open, we must be more committed to each other. We never know how our interactions are going to affect someone. We don't know how a text or an email is going to come across. And that's probably in this day and age, that's, I don't use this word sparingly or lightly, but I hate text. I hate email. I absolutely do. And the reason for that is because there's no inflection. I can't sit there and have a conversation with you and see your reactions and see how if the tones of my words are coming out right or if what I'm trying to say is actually being beneficial. Because we can all say things and do not realize that what we said probably should not have been said for whatever reason. You see, if we can't encourage each other and we can't love each other, what do we have for each other? Outside of prayer, there most of the time is no other way that I myself am going to be able to be beneficial for you or to you, except for the fact that we communicate with each other in an open, loving, and honest way. You see, I'm not always going to have the answer. So-and-so is not always going to have the answer. The person to your left or the right isn't always going to have what we need in the time that we need it. That's part of the beauty and the mystery of our Lord God is sometimes through those circumstances and situations, he's able to point us in the direction to where it can be fruitful for you or for me. You see, we can't encourage each other if we don't meet together regularly, if we don't spend time with each other regularly. Not just on Tuesday, not just on Sunday, but on every other day of the week. Now, I'm certainly not saying we all get a, a giant mansion and move in together and, and have this great commune. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's important for us to continually be on each other's minds, to continually be each other, in each other's prayers. I don't know much about being a parent except for what I've gone through. Some people write books about parenting and they've never been a parent before. Some people write books about parenting when they've had seven kids and everything's on fire. The point of the matter is they, that we, that I, don't always know what my kids are going through. But yet, we can be stirred up as a parent to know, hey, I had to go 
sit in the room and say, how are you doing today? I ought to know when or be able to discern when if somebody posts a text in the men's group to take a moment and go off to the side and send a direct text to that brother and say, how are you today? Not everything is meant to be vented in a, in a public forum. But there are times that when something is vented or put in a public forum, that I believe we ought to take the time to reach out to that brother or sister. I think that we ought to always encourage each other daily. I grieve uh, at the moment for my son who is experiencing experiencing a loss of one of his classmates that he's known for just about the whole time that he's been in school. Sometimes we think we might have all the answers. But when in reality, sometimes all we need to do is just be with that brother or sister and give them comfort and support. I don't know how to comfort my son in this time of his loss except for to just be there for him. You see, we ought to visit with each other, pray aloud with each other, worship with each other, love one another. But the point of the matter is we must make an investment in each other's lives. And just like all investing, sometimes we put an investment in, but we don't get a return. But I don't think the return matters all that much. It's what we put into it. It's how we put into it. You see, we ought to pour ourselves out so much to the body, just like we do for our own family and our own home. Now, I'm not saying we go out and buy cars for the church or fancy houses or what have you. But we ought to love each other and it's okay to give gifts to each other and, and be with each other. But the point is to do it and do it with the right spirit, right heart and do it continually. And I, and I do understand that this might sound like a little bit of a broken record, but I think it's a, a fact and a point that, that really needs to, to hit home this evening. You see, because I believe that when we do these seemingly small things for each other, when you pick up the phone on a Wednesday and call your brother or during the day or when you visit with someone, when we do these ordinary things, I believe that it's one of the most fantastic ways that the Lord can be glorified in us. But more importantly, it's what those that are around us see. Because in those events, in those things, I believe it's when the church looks more like her king. And that's what your neighbor sees. That's what my neighbor sees. That's what your coworker sees. That's what the folks around us that aren't a part of this body see, and that's what they ought to see.
I've, we've all heard it said before that if you want friends, then you ought to be friendly. I think friendliness only goes so far. We can be friendly with folks, but does it mean we have a vested, like I said, a vested interest in, in their lives, in their well-being, in their, in their spiritual walk? We've also heard it said that a lot of us in here have heard it before, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, church, we can't move forward in many ways unless we move forward together. We've also heard it says that a, a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, that saying, as cliche as it might be, is true. And that's for, for all of us here. And I wonder this evening that if we would put somebody on our heart or if there's been somebody on our heart in the church congregation that we haven't spoken to for a while or haven't reached out to for a while, that we would put it on our heart to reach out to that person no matter who it is. And that we would take the time to earnestly and lovingly reach out to that person and find out where they're at in their walk. Find out where, where they might be, where we can reach out to them and help that individual rise up a little bit. I always wonder when, when the apostles were together how awesome that was when everyone was together watching Jesus and how that atmosphere was. But sometimes what I wonder all the more about is when they went out and they were doing what they were called and their commission was, when they got back together, how joyous was it when they saw themselves back? Peter hadn't seen Paul for a long time and you know John and, and the rest. When they came back together, how joyful were they when they came back and were able to share the love that they were experiencing, the love that they gave with the fellow disciples, how uplifting and how important that was for them to break bread together. Amen? So as I get ready to, to come to a close this evening, I would say, for whatever it's worth for all of us, let us not abandon each other. Let us never get to the point to where we have a moment to where we say we can't talk to brother or sister so-and-so because of such and such. That we can't go to a Thursday night Bible study because so-and-so might be there. Or we can't go to a men's meeting because brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so might be at that meeting. I ask church that we never get ourselves, and I'm not saying we will or are. I just, I have that earnest desire that none of us ever get to that place to where we do that. We ought to have loving and open, open arms to all the members of the body at all the time. And as I come to the close, I ask if you want to come pray, please come pray. But remember that person that was on your heart. Remember that person that, that God put there, and please 
take some time to reach out to them this week.